Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 97, Herb Lab, Heating the Call with Yaakov Levine. This is sponsored by Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free integrated health clinic serving Lane County since 2011. And Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations, where real people go to learn how to be real herbalists. And Hunter Creation, reminding you that they can do graphic design, website design, and all your printing needs. And the Herbal Nerd Society at thepracticalherbalist.com. For the Herbal Nerd Society, you can – their um, curated member content, new articles written just for them. They have access to all the Real Herbalism Radio shows, extended Real Herbalism Radio shows, community and connection through our, the forum that's coming soon, and uh, webinars and lectures also on the way. Uh, so – to keep the conversation going, uh, we'd like you to go to our Facebook page, uh, where we have over 3,000 people that like us there, which is nice, uh, YouTube, and hashtag the Practical Herbalist on Instagram. And in addition to all that herbal information and social uh, life, we also have ebooks on Amazon. So you guys want to talk about a little bit about those? Yeah, in fact, dandelion dandelion rooted or herbal medicine rooted in your front yard is the one that we're particularly featuring this month. As dandelion is our herb, herb of, of the, the month. month. Oh. <laughs> okay, we love dandelion. I love dandelion. Dandelion is one of many wonderful herbs that you can go learn about with the herbal folios at Amazon.com. Yes, it's the, we try to encourage people to learn the herbs one at a time as you would get to know your friends. Yes. There you go. All right. So now on with the show. So here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Well, Sue, how have you been heeding the call this week? I have been heeding the call. Yes. Yeah. It was nice to see Yaakov because I actually met him several years ago. And we had the pleasure of working together, and I got to meet his wonderful wife. And Oh, was, she's so nice. She is. She I is. mean, they're both wonderful. They are. Both, they are. Yes. And it's very clear that Yakov has wonderful taste in women, because I absolutely Definitely. adore the both of them, yes. to be honest. But it was great to meet up with him again, and then it took a good year before I was able to talk him into coming in here. <laughs> he has such an amazing story. I yeah, mean, he, he has really, really traveled. He's done everything from conventional into completely organic farming mm-hmm. and, you know, life, lifestyles. Yep. And when he started getting interested in nutrition, he just went in and took the course and got himself certified as a, as a nutritional uh, therapist, nutritional health co- coach, and now he just teaches all the time, and it was it was nice to have him here, yeah, helping to teach us. So that was that was very very good to hear. And when he and I first met, it was in, we were doing we we're in the herb industry together, right? So we would have lunchtime talks. And one of the things that I recall, I don't know if he remembers this, but sitting around talking about the way that we were processing botanical oils, and at the time that herb business was still just kind of starting. Mm-hmm. So um, we would get the, the oils in the container, the five gallon bucket, and then put it like cover it and then put it out in the parking lot to warm in the sun. Oh, wow. And bring it in. And that's how we would warm it. And of course, now there's steam jacketed kettles and all that kind of thing. But it was fun right. to sit there and talk with him up about, you know, what are some other ways of doing this? This is not, this isn't sustainable. As right. the business grows, we're going to do, put the 
55 gallon barrels out there in the get sun. a bigger parking lot get a bigger right? yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy talk so we were talking about different things like that and kind of in response to that when i made some uh balm of gilead oil oh yeah uh i took the jar i'm only using like a quart right. jar of, yeah. of oil i put it by the back of my refrigerator where the heat was kicking out oh smart yeah. And stuck it there because at the time when I was making it, it was a little, you know, we had that rainy period and it was cold and rainy. Yeah. So I put that out there to, to you know, passive passive energy use, which, you know, on the kibbutz and things like he was talking about, they do a lot of that kind of stuff too. So it seemed like a, I'll try it. And the all turned out really good. Nice. So my nice. intention of using that was to combine it with teach real to help us deal with our clients that have uh, MRSA infections. Oh. Makes, so makes a great sab, I'll have you know. Yeah. But, yeah, but he was talking about turning a desert into a farm. Yeah, you know, it got me thinking about the analogy, or the analogy is the wrong word. I forgot the right word. Yeah, the similarities between what we do in the city when, you know, in urban areas where people start turning, transforming, you know, the old cracked pavement areas like the bas- basketball court that nobody uses because mm-hmm. it's all really crappy when they start doing things like transforming that into community gardens and urban gardens and right and then in the suburbs people starting to do urban farming and i was thinking you know it's a little bit it's similar in many ways i mean that's true know. yeah because they are bulldozing these sand dunes and then adding cow poop to it right to turn it into really good soil right that's still just blows me and i actually it blows me out of the water what i saw uh, on the internet was uh some pictures of kibbutzes yeah and yeah it's just the desert and then this little green and space suddenly it's green yeah it's yeah. crazy and the, the thought of bringing cows out there but now that i understand they're using the compost to turn it into soil okay i get that that makes sense yeah still a lot of water usage i mean cows are a lot of water cows yeah. do use a lot of water yeah you know, and you gotta feed them you, you know. do gotta right? feed them so how do you yeah. So it's a lot of hence the giant green space. It's yeah, a lot of grass that they're planting to and feed you, the cows. You can't take uh, Mediterranean seawater and water the plants with that, nor can you what you know give that water to your cows. So that's, no, when, when he said uh, that they do that, I, I instantly thought of the movie The Martian. Oh, oh the yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Where it's like okay, the poop right. potatoes. Yeah, potatoes. <laughs> yeah. What was that movie star's name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah, they yeah. send him out into space a lot. Yeah, he really spends a lot of time in space. Doesn't he does. He? Yeah. The poor thing. Yeah. Right. Because he likes it out there. I guess playing with his poop and his taters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can transform anything in this in this fertile earth. Oh know? yeah. yeah. And being aware of the changes that happen in your environment in. There's little micro changes that happen. Of course, there's larger changes like climate change, but being aware of that kind of stuff and by different uh, zones within a, a prescribed zone. Oh, yeah. Go on my, one side of a mountain to another. Oh, heck, even on just my little itty bitty quarter of an acre city lot, the front yard and the backyard are two different climates. Yeah. You can you grow different, I mean, different plants there. Yeah. And yeah. it has, I mean, in our case, it has a lot to do with. The Douglas fir and the shade in the front, True. which makes a more acid soil and a much you know shadier environment, mm-hmm. and it's always cooler out there. And then the back is all sun, and what trees are around are broadleaf. Yeah, so you know it's a really different environment. Yeah, that's true. When I moved into my place, 
it was uh, 19 years ago. And the people that had lived there, they had a landscape company. It had been empty for a while. So the landscape company from the real estate company licensed by them came in and just like sprayed everything. And it was shrubs and some, some grass. Right. And it was very manicured looking for people that like that, that are comfortable with that look. That's great. Right. Uh, but uh, it was, it was so sterile. Yeah. And the first year we were there, one flower came up, a single right. flower came up, but the, poor the poor soil was so rock hard. Yeah. It, it wasn't for growing. It wasn't for growing. So it took a lot of adding mulch. I didn't, you know, put cow poop into the, the sand, <laughs> but it was just like clay, just adding layers and layers and layers of mulch and compost. We made our own, we brought our compost pile with the Elvis Presley worms nice. over, <laughs> transplanted Elvis Presley worms and, and just put layers of newspaper and cardboard and added onto that. The front, I didn't want my children playing in the front because we're at a, a very busy street. Right. Yeah, so, you've got that cute little fence out there now, though. That's right, yeah. But I didn't want the children playing in the front of the yard. Right. So I just got rid of all the grass there and turned it into a zero-scape garden. So yeah. I also didn't want didn't to water in the front. I know, right? That's the waste. That's, a, that's work. And that's you have to work. remember. You have to actually <laughs> right. remember to do that. Right. But there's also, it's shaded by the poplar tree. So it's yeah. kind of tricky. Like what can what normally, can I think, a yeah. zero-scape kind of plants and I think in yarrow and those things, but there's yeah. not enough sun for that. No, there's not. So all the stuff that you see there with the daylilies and then yeah. the the blueberry plants and the, I put a lot of the natives, like the Oregon grape is there and there's yeah. that, the non-native elderberry yeah. bush, which <laughs> is just huge. <laughs> I dug a little French drain from our drain, the runoff drain from the roof to right. feed into the elderberry so I didn't have to water that. Good, yeah. And boy. It really. Hmm. Now I'm rethinking that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That elderberry has gotten really, really, really big. Yeah. They, they'll do that. Yeah. They will. So, yeah, that transformation was, was it's been a heck of a, heck of a project. Yeah. And now it's this jungle. It is. <laughs> <sighs> well, it reminds me kind of, you know, Listening to him talk, he didn't seem to have a specific direction when he started in life. Right. Mm-hmm. He things just opportunities happened and then he followed that opportunity. Yeah. With That's, no real thought to well, this is a career, I'm gonna make money and a house and life. He just right. kinda like, Oh, I'll go to Israel for a while. Oh, mm-hmm. I've got right. this opportunity. Oh, Let's just I'll, do that. I'll for go a- to California for a while. I'll grow some cows for oh, a while. Yeah. Oh, oh mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to Oregon. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll go live up in the mountains for a while. Oh, I'll. and he's just progressively had this, you know, adventure life that I was never even, you know, thought of. You know, growing up in a kind of, you must do this. These are the rules to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that lifestyle choices that he was making were so out of my box. Yeah, but. Then I'm like, well, I don't have any really cool stories like that. I didn't you have a different that. cool story. Yeah, but you know, they're they're everybody's story. I Not everybody. That I got a job uh-huh. and then I got a car. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the standard American thing. You know, he just didn't seem to follow that. He banged on a different drum, right. and he continues to do it now. I mean, I don't. You know, even with living here in Eugene, um, when we fr- I first met him, he was selling books. I think. 
Mm. When we saw him at a yeah, he was selling books on fermentation and talking about lacto fermentation with people. Really, I completely missed that stage. Yeah, I don't know if it was just that particular day and Uh why exactly he was there, but (laughs) right, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, we introduced a lot of you introduced us to him at that fair. Oh, I was there. Miss it? You were there. Totally, totally not even paying attention to that. I was like, oh, there's my friend Yagov. Let me introduce you. That's pretty much what you said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i I just didn't understand you know like it was like oh this is this guy and just to see him and hear him talk yesterday he just and he seems even after going through cancer and all this stuff he seems like a generally happy person Mm -hmm. and he's vibrant and he's vibrant and i you know i see other people like i was talking to a relative yesterday and you know they were explaining away all of their um physical ailments to age and i'm like but you're you're only 15 years older than me i have friends that are that age and they're vibrant i have friends who are 25 Mm -hmm. years older than me and they're more vibrant and they're doing amazing things so i don't buy the argument well i'm getting old no 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 no. and he really strikes me as a person that's that's not getting old even though he's aging he has my grandmothers both of them had that same quality happy to be alive you Mm -hmm. know and that I think that does keep you young, yeah, and healthier, longer. There's also the luck of health, you know. If you yeah. and just luck of life, you know, if you've been in a series of car accidents or whatever, mm-hmm. you know that sure. that ages you, no matter what your attitude is like. But some people do bounce. But I've seen people like my father-in-law who's been through some pretty. I mean, the man has lived with an awful lot of pain and a lot of disability, and he's still vibrant. Yeah, he's happy to be alive. Right. You know, I mean, even when you have crappy things happen, there's mm-hmm. always the choice. There was a study that I read about, and it was just a a tiny observe, not a like full-on medical scientific study, but it was a psychological study. And it was what they referenced was they had memoirs. They were looking back at the um, movement West and the Oregon or bus movement and all of that. So the mm-hmm. wagon trains. And they had letters and diary entries from two women who were sisters that moved to the Pacific Northwest from, I want to say it was Massachusetts, but I can't remember where. Wow, that's a long wagon ride. Yeah. And they both had this long honking wagon ride and they came out here. And one of them was ill and died young. And the other one lived much longer and had generally better health. Mm -hmm. And the only real difference they could tell the 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 anthropologists that were looking at this could tell between the two of them was that the one that had more poor health was also pretty much a curmudgeon i mean she was oh you know this is so hard and always focusing on the negative and the hardness of it Mm -hmm. and the one who lived longer and was generally healthier did have health problems that came up you know like miscarriages and you know, various things that happened to Mm -hmm. her, but she generally was looking at the positive and always looking at everything that happened. She would try to find a lesson in it. Mm -hmm. You know, what did I learn from that? And she was just really a more positive person. And that comparing the, the notes and the things they had from the two of them, the one who chose to be positive, no matter what her hardships were, fared better in life than the one who was negative and complaining. Mm-hmm. And they lived, if I remember right, like two next to next door to each other in the same area. Right. So it's not like they were living, one was living in a much easier climate right. or, you know, similar genetics. Yeah. Sisters. 
Exactly. And, some, and of course, the same environment. Yeah. yeah. You can, you, you are the boss of you. Yep. 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 Yeah. So you're saying a positive mental attitude uh, helps with health. Helps yeah. with health. Yeah. 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 And actually, I, I believe I believe yeah. there are scientific studies and things like that that also point to that. But, yes, there are. But I, I can't quote those. Cause yeah. Although there's always those exceptions to the rules because I know some really ornery people that are living a long time. And their orneriness yeah. is keeping them <laughs> yeah. alive. I'm going to have some relatives yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> of so, course. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, luck and attitude both together. I know some people that have horrible, horrible health and they have fabulous attitudes, but you know, just if I'm going to go through life, which I am currently going through life, I want to make the best of it. Right. Why wouldn't I? Right. That, that's how I feel too. I mean, yeah. and I like the idea of Yaakov seized opportunities. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to do that as well. I'm yeah. not necessarily going to move to Israel and start a farm there. Right. I'm just going to do it right here At in my least own backyard. But, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to do it right here in my own backyard, despite mm-hmm. the neighbors. Right. Or, yeah, or hopefully with them cheering me on. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not really consulting with them. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. <laughs> also thinking about with Patty, Patty Leahy, who's been a former yeah. uh, podcast visitor of ours and she was talking about how she she enjoys energy so much. Yeah. That's what she notices. And she had her business and then she was kind of sequestered in a quieter neighborhood. And she was like, oh, it was such a nice, quiet neighborhood. And then tree falls down and I have to move. And now now she's in this uh, much busier, much busier road. But her business is picking up. Like yes. that, There's that energy piece. Yeah. Is, yeah, she's dealing with the the unfortunate part of having more traffic. But. For her, that and she's so energy sensitive. Having that, being part of that stream, yeah, which there's some benefit to that. You know, it seems like to me as I've been watching her and she's observing that energy, she's really picking that up too. And that's a that's a lesson for me. Yeah, I always try to watch the people around me that I respect and go, oh, what's what's that person doing? Yeah, no. So it's really enjoyable to to be able to have the honor of having these people in there in my life and. Watching the way, and Yakov's one of them. Yeah, watching what he does with it, and sometimes it's unfamiliar. So I have a tendency to want to judge it. Uh-huh. What are you doing? That's crazy. But yeah. just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's. Well, it might be not. crazy, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try it, right? Or that it's, that's effective for that person. Yeah. No, we yeah. don't. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I don't expect life to be a crystal stair. That's for sure, but. I do. You do. You expect it to be a little crystal skin stare. It should be super easy. It should should be be like, world is my oyster. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Queen Candace. I am the pearl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see. What else was he? He was talking about probiotics and prebiotics and comfrey. His little thing, his first introduction to Uh, herbs was comfrey. And how funny that that's comfrey being the herb that people nowadays are saying, oh, be careful. Right. It'll kill you. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, he has the opposite. No. Yeah. Like it's a healing herb. Here you yeah. go. Use it appropriately. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was pretty cool to hear about that. Yeah. My comfrey is doing okay. There's three comfrey plants that live under the um, giant hedge laurel. 
Right. So the hedge laurel. laurel. Yeah. So for folks who don't have hedge laurel, nothing grows very well under the hedge laurel. It's allelopathic. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of like a walnut tree. You know, it it drops its leaves and and, yeah. yeah. So it prevents stuff from growing well underneath it besides its own offshoots. Mm -hmm. But I've got comfrey there and I planted it there because I didn't want comfrey to take over my yard. Mm -hmm. And the comfrey does surprisingly well considering the conditions it's got. Do your chickens, are they eating it? They've demolished one of the plants. (laughs) And the other two are like, what are they? Would you say they're like two and a half feet tall, maybe three feet tall now? Yeah. The bottom half Mm -hmm. of the plant is pretty well like eaten down. Right. (laughs) And then there's the top. Turn it into a little shrub. It's going to become like a shrub, like one of those... Topiary style. Chicken chicken pruned topiary. Yes, exactly. Oh, man. But I got to believe it's helping their eggs. So it's probably good for them. Yeah. Well, now we're going into the chick chat. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to talk about urban farming. Before we do that, let's just break for a word from our sponsor. The Practical Herbalist Press. That's in addition to our website and our podcast. That is right. Practical Herbalist Press is all about providing really good books and information by written by experienced herbalists. Us. Us, but others <laughs> eventually as yes, well. Yes, that's very true. And it's bite-sized information that we research the heck out of. We have medical information out there that we're really doing a lot of research on. We are. We have growing, gardening with herbs. We got stuff for about pets, your yes. home, your family, ethnobotany. Ethnobotany. Mm-hmm. We also put it in terms of the traditional ways we've talked about historic, herbs, like yeah. historic. Mm-hmm. Whether they're warm and cooling, that right. sort of thing, mythical and very practical stuff. The Practical Herbalist Press is dedicated to providing the best herbal related books on the market. Look for our titles on Amazon, search for the Practical Herbalist Press, or visit our website at practicalherbalistpress.com. And we're back. We have a special guest. Sue, want to introduce our special guest? (laughs) This special guest you hear um, peeping a little bit is Sweet Annie the Goose. (laughs) And she is about six, seven weeks old. That's what we think. Uh-huh. Um, we, I, I'm saying that she was hatched on my mother's birthday. Oh, okay. In March. All right. Um, but we don't know for sure. Right. Her her mom did a good job of hiding her and her other gosling brothers, siblings. So the farmer that we got her from didn't really know for sure what age they were when they found them. Oh. Um, but based on what she looked like when we got her... <laughs> Based on what she looked like when she came home with us, I think she was probably five weeks old, maybe. Uh huh. So she's trying to eat the pens right now, and she's yeah. a little wobbly. Her feet look like they're made of wire and play doh. The well, pl- they're bigger than than her body. They're, they're huge, just giant, and her wings are teeny adorable. Yeah, like little mutants. Yep, that's. And if you hold, like I'm used to holding chickens, chickens. Uh, they they're real they're kind of bony, bony yeah. and feathers, and you can feel the muscles and the little lumps that they have around them. But goose geese are actually just beanie babies. Yeah, they're really soft and they feel like they're made of full yeah. of sand. I read in a book that you're not supposed to spoil them by petting them like you would, you know, pets, dogs and cats. As alas, you're, as you're, alas, but, you're I, alas doing, but I've decided <laughs> that a spoiled goose is a good goose. That's right. <laughs> Why aren't you supposed to pet them? I don't know. Outside of maybe they become demanding, needy. Well, okay. You know. But like other spoiled children? Like other spoiled children. Has she met your chickens yet? 
She yes. has met the chickens. She's chased them. Oh. She chased a chicken already. <laughs> yes. My beautiful hens were afraid of her when they first saw her. Uh-huh. They they ran and hid. And then she kept wanting to get to them. And I think uh-huh. I've posted pictures. She just wants to hang out. Uh-huh. They they weren't very sure about that. Gosling just want to have fun. Yesterday, while the fire brick oven was being rebuilt, she was out there chasing chickens, apparently. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Wow. Because my baby chickens that are, I think they're two months old, they are pullet size. They're a little smaller than what she is. How many pounds would you say she is right now? I don't know. She, her, when she's sitting, her breast to her tail is about 15 inches. 15 inches. Yeah. yeah. My girls are not that long at all. She's big. You know, she's not going to, my girls aren't going to get as big, but they are still getting disciplined by the, the low chicken on the totem pole in my household. Well, Annie's plan is to be a flock protector, be in charge of everybody. And I have a feeling she'll do well with that when she gets there. Yeah. But right now she's just, uh, Play-Doh. Yeah. Play-Doh and feathers. So, yeah, that was one of those things that was an opportunity that showed up. I was thinking about getting a goose. I was Uh planning to get ducks, and I was thinking maybe a year from now I might start off on that adventure. And then uh, Patrick found goslings. and You found goslings. Well, it was Craigslist posting. And you're just like, well, ah, Craigslist, let me look for goslings. Why I, not? Tickety tick. Oh, I, this one. No. I, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how Pretty it Pretty much. That's, that's about how. <laughs> well, no, when you're doing an urban farm and you're changing things, you're always looking on the, you know, on the supplies, the, the farm. supplies, farm supplies, and why buy new and slightly used will do just fine. Right. Sure. Uh, and, it, and Candace had mentioned that she wanted a goose and I, you know, you can't really seem to find a goose at the local, you know, farm right. supply store. They don't really bring geese in. Yeah, right. backyard farmer yeah. isn't going to carry them. I asked specifically. They said they carrying them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing about poo geese. incident. Yeah, <laughs> it was a poo incident. <laughs> they squirt poo. They squirt poo. Yeah, they're, they're they projectile. They project. Yeah, projectile poo. Drop poop. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, geese. Project poop. That's another fun thing. So anyway, so Candace, Candace wanted a goose. She didn't really specify what what. Uh, um, I had the idea. Breed of goose. <laughs> I had the vague notion it might be fun to have a goose, and Patrick right. ran with it. I didn't. I, again, opportunity it just happened to be there that a lady had had six goslings, and um, she was was rehoming them. And uh, we just called and happened to you know, work it out for the right time. Now, she's a Sebastopol. Um, Sebastopol, yeah. Sebastopol breed. Which should be white. Is, well, yeah, whitish with a slight gray uh, accent on the feathers. But Possibly. What's, but Possibly what's really not. interesting about these this breed is that the feathers all are like intertwined and if you They're if, fluffy. if you didn't know it was a goose, it, it would look like a big Russian hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. And, like curl, uh, kind of curly, curly yes, feathers. They're, they're yeah. curly, curly feathers. yeah. They look like a stylized hairdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how she uh, looks and is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we think there should be a good mate or a good pairing with uh, the ducks that are coming. So um, it's been it's been an interesting you know, with her. I, I didn't realize how much uh, how they, much poop how much poop there are with with geese. 
Yeah. A lot. Patrick a has lot. a little problem with poo, too. It, well, he's not just, fond of poo. It's just everywhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's, you know, until we, we got a, a kiddie pool today. And of course, we chose this the second hottest day of the year to go try to find a kiddie pool. Right. And uh, right. Uh, we, so we got finally got one. Premium price for the kiddie pool. Right. And but. Uh, that, before that, we just had towels on the floor and she was walking around and she just. Everywhere, skirt yeah. if she want to, and mm-hmm. and uh, when she's outside, it's fine. She eats grass, and she's you know she just just hankers down, and it's nice to actually have her out there. And I, I think we'll be able to get out her her out there even more and more, especially when we do have the ducks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. She won't be a homebody that much longer. Yeah, yeah. Making the transition from the brooder to the to the out of doors is a little uh, trickier for those of us that only have one or two of them. Right, but yeah. if you got a ton. Yeah, yeah. You're putting them out there faster. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I think that one of the other things when people are transforming and they're bringing in new animals that they they forget about is it, the animals, they change your hours. They change a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with gardens, you know, you put gardens in in the spring and people get all excited and then they they kind of lose their interest and don't water in the time yeah. when you need to have it watered. And then boom, And then you've got done. a mess. Yeah. So then they say, oh, well, I'm just a black thumb. And right. No, not necessarily. You just haven't gotten into the rhythm yet. Yeah. Yeah. Constant vigilance. I mean, you have to be doing something all the time. And, it's you know, it's one thing to do, I don't know, that's your thing. If you're a farmer or want to farm and that's your thing, mm-hmm. you know, then I, then it doesn't really, I think you just get into it. Right. But for me, I'm not. The list of chores seems to be endless. Every time I walk out of the house, it's like, oh, I got to weed that. I got to remove that blackberry over there. I got to water that plant. I got to grab this thing over here. I got to weed. I got to, I got to plant the tomatoes. I got to get this done. I got to get the raised beds built. I got to, I just, I got to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a little daunting. Yeah. There's an I got to every, every day it seems like. And, and uh, so this is coming to something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not my my first nature thing to do yet. Like yeah. with Sue, it seems to me like for you, when you're home, that's what you do. Yes, yeah. because that's your yeah. thing. I just do things. Right. You know, that's your that's your thing. For me, I'm like, oh, it's just too hot out. It's just so hot. You not are a bit me. of a hot house flower. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I, when like you know today when we're recording, it's 90 degrees. That's just too hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, that's good to know yourself, what you're going to take on and what you're not. I know, but I feel like, you know, sometimes I support Candace a lot because this is what she wants to do. She wants to have this urban farm. And then we do all these things and then things happen. Like, well, but then I feel obligated to have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think that it's it's successful. Like, I, I think we are raised, especially as Americans, to have this pastoral vision. Yeah. Right. That it's – a the world, the natural world is beautiful. We should have agriculture and walk around with baskets picking flowers and frolicking <laughs> like in mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz and right. what have you. But that's there's a price to be paid for that. And that price can be very difficult if you're living an urban lifestyle. Yeah. You have certain cons- – there's constraints that the modern world asks of you and fitting that into a different uh, rhythm – there's, a, there's rhythms for everything, and to fit diff- different rhythms in together can be really tricky. Right. I just just not been grown up as an agrarian. You know, maybe maybe I'm supposed to be a miner. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
I think if we could actually truly be agrarians where you get to take off the winter, like actual farmers do, it might be a lot easier to do all that is required in the summer regularly. But we're not. We're city folks, so we're expected to go all year long. Go, 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 go with no end right? and minimal vacations. I mean, I'm sorry, but a three-day vacation for Memorial Day weekend and one for Labor Day weekend and, you know, a handful of other similar occurrences through the years. Isn't enough. It isn't enough for someone of my temperament, but I'm the kind of person who has a lot of energy at one point in the year and less at the other. And my rhythms are not city rhythms, yet I have to live in the city because it's where Mm -hmm. I can afford to live. And of course, the agrarian lifestyle isn't our our primitive lifestyle either. No, it's not. You know, and it's and not. we don't we do not have the kind of society that says, well, you know, it's getting on winter, so let's let's put a pool together of which old person will be dying this winter. Right. You know, which of my <laughs> children will I be losing? I wonder. You know, that's not part of our society. We've changed things so we don't have to have that. That's too high a price for us now. Not right. that we're thinking we're all gonna be immortal, but you know, we just don't we don't have that. You know, we build shelters to stay warm and to stay warm means you have to do something all the time. We, we store food, we grow food instead of just wild harvesting. There's, there's always a price to be paid. And with the price that we're paying now, that means there's a consistency that you have to have. Well, the price of living in the city is you don't get to live a natural lifestyle. You get up in the morning at a certain time, no matter what time of year it is and you go to your work or your school and you do your work all day inside and then you go home and you know i mean it's well the it's, natural li- no who's living a natural lifestyle who's living no i mean it's no i'm saying you know? it's not in tune with your natural rhythms because some people for some people that is actually really natural and healthy for them mm-hmm. but not everybody's the same way some people yeah. should be vegetarian because it's healthy and others not so much so mm-hmm. because it's healthy it's everybody's got different rhythms but when you're in the city oftentimes you have to really to be able to afford to stay there you need to adopt rhythms that aren't always the best for you. Mm-hmm. That's true. There's and that's people just, that are working you know, day shifts that are more night people and people that yeah. are working night shifts that are more day. Cause you got to yeah. put food on the table and yeah. you know, eating, eating yeah. is highly preferred. Yeah. You yeah. Know, living in a house is highly preferred than living outside. Mm-hmm. You know, homelessness is not good for the health. That's for sure. Right. So the, the, I think the definition of night natural that you're looking at, more is based on individual and i guess i was looking more at the cultural as a as a human culture a, a larger perspective of it you know our our the time frame of people say well it's more natural to live on a farm and i would i would argue not necessarily it's just another thing that we have adopted in order to survive it's Right. Yeah. So surviving is very natural for us. Right. Keeping together is very natural for us. What right. seems to be unnatural is when people isolate yeah. and then, you know, the self-harm happens. Right. So self-harm to the culture and self-harm to the individual. Those are the things that are are to be avoided, of course, and to work hard to 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 keep us away from, you know, working together. That's what helps. That's what the kibbutzes that Jakob mm-hmm. was talking about. Oh, yeah. Intentional cultures living together, even in a desert of all places. Right. <laughs> and doing it successfully. No, not for him. That meant he had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And boy, that, like he said, that was not easy for him. 
That was not fun. No, no, but it did introduce him to the nectar of the gods, a.k.a. coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's always a price to be paid. Well, I think it was interesting for me to hear a little bit more of his story, even though I've known him all these years. It's nice to kind of just pin him down and Mm -hmm. hear those stories, and it's always inspiring for me to hear the stories of our guests and get a nice a nice chance to to think differently about things the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the united states food and drug administration fda they're not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent disease all information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.